our first reading for this afternoon is from the third chapter of 1 Samuel. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will will fulfill against Eli, All that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever. For the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli, the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also. If you hide anything from me of all that he told you. Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. He said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the 16th chapter of Acts. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed among us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. This she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. When her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. When they brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us, as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation with the sacrament of the altar. 
What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In this portion of our uh, that we just recited from the sacrament of the altar, we learned that there's basically two things involved with the sacrament of the altar. And the thing that we see, of course, is what we eat. Physically, we have a host, Christ's body, and we have wine, Christ's blood, where he, as he comes to us. But as as the Lutheran reformers also talked about and and throughout history, it's not just the physical element, but but what's connected to it. The word, of course. And what word is that? Luther said it right here. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And to reiterate it, Luther said it twice. That when we are feasting upon the body and blood of Christ and the bread and wine, we actually have the forgiveness of sins. It's given to you. It is assured to you. Not because of anything that you've done or that I've done, of course not. But because of Christ. Remember, he gave us the Lord's Supper on the night that he was betrayed, that Monday Thursday, the last time he was with his disciples. The very last thing he did before he offered his body on the cross in the crucifixion was to tell us what he was giving us. He told them beforehand, take and eat, this is my body, take and drink, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin. So those those words show us what Jesus Christ is doing for us, forgiving our sins. And it's a It's something we can cherish, something we can be so thankful we have. Because there have been plenty of times throughout the history of the church where forgiveness of sins has not been the center of what the church focused on. And forgiveness of sins, one on behalf of Christ, became something they didn't even think about. And this happens not just to the lay people, but also to the priesthood, even to the pastors. All we have to do is to look back at what our Old Testament reading was for today from 1 Samuel. And we run across that wonderful calling of little Samuel when he's a little boy. I forget how old he is. I think he's between the ages of 10 and 12, but don't quote me on that. Point is, though, who's he with? Eli, the priest in the temple. And notice, I don't know if you remember... Eli goes by a, not another name, but another adjective, 
wicked Eli, right? Remember hearing wicked Eli? Sometimes also they called him old wicked Eli. Uh, But anyway, wicked Eli. Because Eli did not believe the words of Jesus. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And we may say, well, how could he? Jesus hadn't come yet. True. But God had been caring for his people by grace, by gospel, ever since Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were to rely upon God, to trust God, to care for them. And that included their spiritual care. Jews were given the forgiveness of sins. They were. It was done by God's hand. They twisted and perverted it into something that they did themselves, took credit for, and that was wrong of them. But there was grace and gospel in the Old Testament. Samuel is evidence of that. He heard God's word and he believed it. Right? In the same way that you hear God's word, that this this meal that we have in the Lord's Supper is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. That's God's word. And you can believe it. Just like Samuel did. With childlike faith. No matter how old we get, I pray we never lose childlike faith. Because that's truly how faith should be. We just trust what our Heavenly Father does for us. Just as a child normally just trusts their mom or dad. Their mom or dad tells them something and they just believe it. Why? Because that's mom and dad. The same way with our Heavenly Father. He speaks his word and we can. It's so simple. We can just trust. Well, Eli, called wicked Eli for a reason, he didn't trust. And his sons, they were were pieces of work. Um, They're described here in Samuel as blaspheming. We know there was a lot of sexual immorality that they even brought into the temple. There was thievery, there was gluttony. Um, all, all types of immorality and all of that, what they did and what Eli allowed to happen. He's that classic parent that didn't discipline his sons and just let them run amok because he was afraid if I discipline them, they won't love me anymore. Well, great. Now you lost everything, Eli. They are all evidence of unbelief. So they would not have believed Jesus' words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. All forms of immorality that we see in this world, all forms of thievery, gluttony, anything that breaks the Ten Commandments is evidence of unbelief. Because if we believed what God says, what will happen to those who practice those things on the last day, if people believed that, They wouldn't do it. Even out of fear, they wouldn't do it. But they don't believe. However, our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't chase after us with a whip, with the law, to scare us into believing. No. 
He constantly speaks to us as a kind father. He kindly speaks to us what he gives to us. Given and shed for you. For the forgiveness of all of your sins. And because of those wonderful words and for what he does for us, that's why we believe in him. Because of all the wonderful things he's done. And that he has done for us all the years of our lives. And for what he'll continue to do for us for as many years as we have in this life. And he will do things for us that we cannot even fathom or imagine yet in the resurrection of the dead. We cannot even comprehend how amazing that last day last day is going to be. We've had glimpses, though. We especially see it in our Lord Jesus Christ, in his own resurrection from the dead, which will be ours. Again, a wonderful word and promise that God has given to you. And this is just how our God works. In our New Testament, we had this wonderful passage from Acts where it basically traces the Apostle Paul's journeys through all of Western Turkey and then up into Greece sharing the gospel. And uh, finally, they land and actually talk to people. I love Luke. He records in Acts so many of their trips. You know, everywhere they're going, sometimes how long they stay somewhere overnight. Uh, But then Luke always gets to the people. And he runs across the very first convert to Christianity in modern-day Europe. A woman named Lydia. A dealer, a seller of purple goods. And uh, the scriptures just say this. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And notice it was God who's doing the work, right? It was God who was opening her heart to hear this word of Paul and to believe it. And what was the word that Paul was sharing? Most likely a lot of things, because immediately after this, she's baptized. But the one thing Paul always talked about was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the resurrection. Paul talked about his his meeting of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And if you look through all of Paul's letters, he always gets back to the very same thing that he shared everywhere he went. And it was these words. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, went broken it, gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples, saying, Likewise, he took the cup, saying, Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It's really interesting when Paul talks about the Lord's Supper, he specifically states in Corinthians, That he did not learn the Lord's Supper from any man, any human. He specifically says, I learned this from Jesus Christ himself. Who, and he used the word tradition, meaning he handed it down to me. That's what tradition means. You have something precious, you hand it down to someone else so it's kept. And Paul always says that about the Lord's Supper. That this was handed down to me by Jesus Christ himself. Because it's so precious of a gift, isn't it? Such wonderful words. 
to know that all of our sins are forgiven because of what he has done for us in the cross. And that that has been shared now for 2,000 years. And it continues to invite people to believe. And by believing, they also share an everlasting life, like we all do. Like Lydia did 2,000 years ago. Like Samuel did a thousand years before that. We all believe in what our God has done for us. That he has saved us. And that it's always been done by his work. By his hands. Amen. Now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.